Well, before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kedshenu B'Mitzvotah V'Tzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. We've been talking about Deuteronomy and that Moses wrote Deuteronomy with a purpose that was to prepare the children of Israel for their future in the promised land. He was not actually going into the promised land, but they were. And he wanted to convey something to them, and that is that their future is forward. And that's why I love this Hebrew word, kadima. You can say that with me, kadima, because it's a simple Hebrew word that means forward. It also means charge, and it also means let's go. So sometimes if people are just standing around and it's time to move, someone will say, Kadima, let's go. I like Kadima as a word. Moses recalls that the 40-year journey has been challenging and it's also been blessed. And everybody here who's 40 and up, can you confirm that life is challenging? If you've had 40 years, and those of you who haven't quite had 40 years yet, maybe you know it too, life is challenging. There are challenges, and yet life is blessed as well if you're living with the Lord. And what Moses is telling the children of Israel is there's more ahead of both, more challenges and more blessings. Challenges and blessing are ahead for you too. You know why? That's life. And it's good for us to take note of this fact that challenges and blessing go together because it's true for us. And Moses anticipated what's ahead and he was thinking how to do more than just be a cheerleader and say, rah, rah, you can do it, but how to actually offer some wisdom that would be practical and useful for the children of Israel and would help them sort of like a roadmap for them. Not that they would be able to just look at this map and see how to go, but they would be able to take to heart the things that he was talking about. And in this way, they could stay on the path because there is a path. In fact, when the first followers of Yeshua were looking for a name, sometimes they, for a name for themselves, they couldn't settle on what to call themselves, but sometimes they said, and it was said about them, they're part of the way. And you know why? Because Yeshua said about himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so sometimes when people wanted to connect with Yeshua, they said, well, we're, we're part of the way. We're on the way. We're on the path. We're with the Lord. And so these pieces of wisdom that Moses is giving are part of that long tradition that recognizes there is a way and there is also a narrowness to this way. 
So I think it's good for us to pay attention to some of the wisdom that Moses offers because I think it can help us navigate life. It's not just about olden times or ancient history, but it will help us move forward and help us look to God for breakthroughs. Now, the first piece of wisdom I want to focus on is found in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22. And there is an interesting phrase in here that is not used in modern Israeli Hebrew. They use a different way of saying it. In biblical Hebrew, it says, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Ma'at, ma'at. Ma'at, ma'at. That means little by little. There's a modern Hebrew phrase, la'at, la'at, which means slowly or slow down. And you, you can even use your fingers like this. It's like slow down. I know that for a number of reasons. One is because when I was driving in Jerusalem once, there was a uh, police car and they rolled down their window and did this. And what that meant was slow down and then stop right here. I'll tell you the rest of the story some other time. <laughs> the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, ma'at, ma'at. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. I really liked what Brian Rose was talking about this morning at the beginning of our um, worship section that he was leading. He was talking about the promises and the processes and that there are many things that take more experience. In fact, tomorrow will take more experience. You can't get to tomorrow without going through today. Not all at once is what the children of Israel had to hear. Some breakthroughs are genuine breakthroughs, but they come ma'at, ma'at, little by little. Not all at once. And I think it's very important, extremely important, to recognize the significance of ma'at, ma'at, little by little, because it will help us make sense out of what we're going through, because the human soul, I know my human soul, want what I want now. You know, so many people pray for patience, and they think that patience is a gift. And so they're saying, Lord, give me patience. And it's a good prayer, Lord, give me patience, but it's not a gift. Do you know what patience is? It's a fruit. And fruit takes time. Gifts you can receive instantly, but fruit you cannot get instantly. Fruit takes time. Let's say that together. Fruit takes time. And so when you pray, Lord, give me patience, whether you recognize it or not, you're saying, Lord, take time and work patience into me. Now, here's the sad truth. 
Patience comes by waiting and enduring and holding on. It doesn't just come, it comes slowly. And so when we're saying, Lord, give me patience, he says, okay, I will. What's important for us is to recognize that the answer may take 10 or 20 or 30 years to more fully develop, not 10, 20, 30 minutes to develop. Sometimes our prayer life is more like a drive-through fast food. We come up, you know, to the, that little speaker and the menu. Well, what do you want? Well, I would like, like uh, extra large patience. And could I have a side order of love? Would you like to make that a happy meal? Yeah, sure. Give me everything at a kiddie price. A lot of things come little by little. And that's the nature of those things. And so it's good for us to embrace the little by little. What Moses was doing was uncovering something that the children of Israel would not have recognized. And that is, if they got the land all at once, they wouldn't be able to keep it. They would lose it. And it wasn't because of the people there. As Brian pointed out, it was because of the wild animals. And it would take time for there to be enough people to occupy and develop the land. Yeshua teaches us also about the importance of little things and the idea of little by little. It's a recurring prophetic message as well. I want to look at three examples of Scripture that just portray this. The first is in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Yeshua said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And then in Matthew 25, verse 23, he said, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So think about this. Faithful with a little connects to faithful with a few things as well. Faithful with a little leads to being trusted with much. Faithful with a few things leads to being in charge of many things. It's dangerous when people who haven't been faithful with a little or faithful with small things or a few things find themselves in charge of big things because they don't have the experience or the character, the fruit. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 has an interesting warning in it. It's sort of a two-part warning. It says, not to despise the days, the day of small things. And another way of putting it is not to despise the day of small beginnings. 
This is so useful for us. And it connects to Yeshua's teachings. Small things and small beginnings are important. Don't look down on them. Embrace them. Because when God wants to give you more, he'll start with a little. Every mother who's ever given birth understands this. You would not want or be able to give birth to a teenager. Let's go to the second piece of wisdom. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'll describe it this way. God wants to bless us. Hashem wants to show his favor and his mercy to us. And he wants us to remember that he is the source of our blessings. He wants us to remember So let's just say that word in English, remember, remember. Deuteronomy chapter eight, starting in verse seven. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall praise the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. I want to focus on a couple of details here. What's being described is this, you're coming into a future that's going to be blessed. You're coming into a land that is a good land. And it's been prepared for you, and it will be able to sustain you and provide for you. It's rich. And that's going to be a blessing to you. And when, when you are there and you're settled down and you're able to have good food, not manna, and you can eat and be full and satisfied, it's good to give thanks to the Lord that he brought you into a good land. All of us who are living in this country are living in a good land. We didn't make it the good land. It was a good land. We have been brought into it. Now, we have our part to contribute to take care of it, to add to it, to uh, continue to build it up, to, to make it a good land, not just for us, but for the others around us and for those who will come after us. But the land was already good. That's what the Lord was saying to the children of Israel. I'm bringing you into a good land, not a wasteland. And from those riches, you will be able to do great things and be satisfied. And there's this direction. When everything's going so well because you're in a good land, not a wasteland, because you're in this good land that God promised, not the wilderness, when you're in a land that is rich with resources, this is what you're to do. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord specifically for bringing you into a good land. 
Now, I thank the Lord that I live in this country. My grandparents and great-grandparents made a decision to move out of Eastern and Central Europe, out of the area in Austria-Hungary, Czechoslovakia, Russia, Ukraine, that area, and to come here. And they made that decision. I didn't make that decision. They made that decision. But it made it easier for me. And because we were living here, none of us died in the Holocaust. Because we were living here, we were able to get established and to build a future and to have families and so forth. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for those who went before me and made decisions that I'm blessed by. And the Lord is saying to us, I went before you and picked the land you didn't know. I told Abraham about it. I brought him to it. He didn't know it. I knew it. And I gave it to you so that you could prosper there at the right time. And you could find life with me at the right time. And you could be faithful in times of challenge, and you could be faithful in times of, of contentment. And he's encouraging us to remember that all the good comes from him, so we give thanksgiving to him. And it goes on. It's useful to remember where we came from and the situations that we had been in. To remember that life was tough before. And making that connection, I think, is very, very important. Verse 11 goes on. and says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. And then it adds some specifics. By not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. It's a warning, don't forget God. Honor his authority, honor his goodness, honor his word. Verse 12, otherwise, I love that word. You don't hear it all that often these days. So it's a good word to, to have in your vocabulary, otherwise. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and you're full, when you build beautiful houses and you settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all you have is multiplied and your 401k is big and your business is doing well and your career is going great, and your checkbook balance is strong, and your savings accounts are strong, when things are going really well, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. Now, the beginning statement is in verse 11. Beware that you don't forget the Lord your God. The ending statement is, or you will forget the Lord your God. 
It's an interesting construction. And I, I w- I've been pondering that. And I, I think what makes sense to me, because it's an unusual construction, don't forget the Lord your God or you'll forget the Lord your God. Huh? Here's a simple truth. Forgetting begets forgetting. There's this spiraling effect of forgetting. When we forget one thing, one part, the authority and the goodness of the Lord, then when things are going really well, we forget the Lord in more ways. Forgetting begats, begets forgetting. But what's in between is so important. Your heart will become proud. Forgetting during times of blessing and contentment and satisfaction can make us vulnerable to a proud heart, and that can lead us to forget the Lord. But there's more specificity here in verse 14. To forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Don't forget this one part, it will lead to forgetting this other part. If you forget God's authority and his instruction and his goodness, his lordship, then you will forget your own history and the history of your people. And you'll forget what God has done And that will corrupt your heart. And so here we see the the great wisdom of Moses and of the Scriptures is not just telling us rules and regulations and laws to live by, but speaking to our hearts. There are heart processes that are identified here. And look at what the end result is. Forgetting begets, forgetting until verse 17, then you'll say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You'll forget you have the good fortune, if you will, of living in a land that's good and productive. You have the blessings that have come to you. You've been brought out of terrible conditions where you couldn't thrive. And if you forget and then forget, in your heart you'll say, I'm pretty hot. My power and the might of my hand have gained me this will, this wealth. Verse 18. Verse 18 is the, uh, the wisdom about what to do. 
Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Remember, remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the power. Have you ever been successful at something and then you had the power to be successful stripped away from you? If so, then you have some experience with this. When you realize it's not in your hands, you could do it, but now you can't do it. What's the remedy? Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. This is an aside, but I think it's useful. It's not in this passage, but it is in others. When we bring the whole tithe to the Lord, not a discount, but the whole tenth to the Lord, and we bring it to the house of God, it helps us remember that it is God who gives us power to gain wealth. You see, it's sort of like time and money are very similar. When you take Shabbat and you cut one-seventh of your opportunity for being productive out of your week, the Lord blesses you so that the rest of the time you have can be more productive. And in the same way, when we give our tithe and we're left with just our 90% minus what the government, etc., wants, then we have less, and the Lord says, but less will become more, and you can test me in this, because you can trust me, I will provide for you and help you overflow. Now, the final piece of wisdom that I want to look at is this. We aren't blessed because we're so good. And it's a caution. We can be tempted by thinking, we are so good. That's why we're blessed. But here's the truth. It's in Deuteronomy 9, verses 4 through 6. Do not think in your heart. I love that statement because it's so unusual. Most of us uh, imagine that all of our thoughts are in our head but there's another domain in which decisions are made and thoughts and issues are pondered, and that is in our heart. And I don't mean the physical head or the physical heart. I'm talking about that which is spiritual and that which coexists. Do not think in your heart. After the Lord your God has cast them out before you, do not think this saying, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess the land but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you. And so it's more like this. It's not because we're so pure, it's because the Lord is removing the impurities 
the wickedness that's already there. He's cleaning things up. It's not because we're so good. And also that he might fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, because you are a stiff-necked people. And all the people who say, I'm not stiff-necked. This is for us. It's not because of our own righteousness. It's not that our righteousness earns God's blessing. It is a trap that leads to many, many uh, problems if we think, I earned God's blessings. It's his favor upon us. Our hearts are not always faithful or true, but God is faithful, and through his mercy, he shows us favor. And then we can close with Deuteronomy 10, verses 13 through 16, which sort of wraps up what to do with all this. So now, Israel, all that Adonai your God asks from you is this, to fear Adonai your God, to follow all his ways, to love him, to serve Adonai your God with all your heart and all your being, and to obey for your own good. The mitzvot and the regulations of Adonai, which I am giving you today. Fear the Lord, follow his ways, love the Lord, serve the Lord, obey the Lord. Verse 14c, the sky, the heaven beyond the sky, the earth and everything on it all belong to Adonai, your God. Only Adonai took enough pleasure in your ancestors to love them and choose their descendants after them, yourselves. He loves us not because we're so good. He loves us because he loved the ones who begat us because they remembered him and they were faithful to him. Only Adonai took enough pleasure in your ancestors to love them and choose their descendants after them, yourselves, above all peoples, as he still does today. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and don't be stiff-necked any longer. Circumcise the heart. Interesting idea. Brit Milah that our parents chose for us is one part. But this is another part, circumcising the heart. That's the choice that we make for ourselves. That's what each of us can make for ourselves. No one can do it for us. No one can make that choice for us. You don't get the benefits just because your family chose to follow the Lord. It makes it easier sometimes, but not always, because if you had rough times in that family, it may make it harder for you to follow the Lord. But remember this, each of us can circumcise our hearts. How do we do it? 
We acknowledge our hearts need circumcising. Our hearts have something about them that keeps us from being tender and loving and obedient and thankful and honoring of the Lord. And that's what all of this is about. Don't be so stiff-necked. Don't find our strength so much in ourselves. Don't corrupt stamina and perseverance into stubbornness. Turn our hearts in the right direction. Turn our heads in the right direction. Don't forget, keep remembering. So let's wrap up. A few summary thoughts, just recapping. We're highly valued and loved by God, not because we are so good, but because He is so good. We are stubborn and self-centered, and all God's people said, amen. amen. <laughs> and not just me. I didn't say I am, but it is true. I am. We are. And yet we are greatly loved by God who sees us as a treasure for himself. God may put us in difficult circumstances on purpose to produce humility in us, to test and refine us so that he will be able to bless us and prosper us with more and more. Prosperity and blessing may cause us to be proud and to think we can gain health, wealth, and wisdom on our own without him and without regard for his ways and how we live. And then this last thought, there are some things which God will make impossible for us to achieve or accomplish without his help and the help of others. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Let's bless the Lord with a traditional Hebrew prayer Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, the good one and the doer of good. Lord, we pray that you would help us endure by holding on to you. You're the one who is good. We want to keep your goodness in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you, Lord, that your shalom is available to us in Yeshua, our Messiah. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. We're going to close now with Aaron's blessing. Would you please stand? And for those who are joining us by live stream or podcast, would you consider standing with us financially? You can find out all of the information on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace.